Today I'm going to talk to you just for a few minutes, and I do mean just for a few minutes, um, about the power of a seed. It's not a new topic in any way, shape, or form. Uh, before I talk to you about this, I want to um, give you an update on where we are and where we stand with this facility. Um, about two weeks ago, the executive pastor from Agape messaged me. It's the first time he's messaged me and says, can we go ahead and plan for an October 1st closing? And I said, ooh, I don't know. We can see what we can do. And so um, I reached out to the bank. Uh, we, had to, um, we had to fill in some blanks on the sales contract because it wasn't correct. Anyway, so we filled in the blanks. Pastor Murray's his name, beautiful, sweet man of God. And reached out to the bank and said, uh, here's where we are. And I didn't hear back from the bank and two or three times. Finally, on the golf cart with Mark uh, last week, I called and uh, was able to get through. And he says, well, we're looking at your cash flow um, to make sure. We've had three other banks that have said no to our loan, not because we can't afford it now, but they like to see that you could have afforded a building for like five or six years. Well, we've not been able to afford a building like that for five or six years. There are probably a minimum of 40 to 50 people in here that weren't even here five or six years ago. And so there was, you know, we're essentially, even though the ministry, True Vine Ministries is 40 years old, this is essentially you know, a three- to four-year-old church because with the exception of about 20 people, nobody else is here that was here, you know, 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. A few of the faithful ones stayed. And, and God blessed the ones that felt like God wanted them elsewhere. However, um, we're still in around the, um, I, I don't want to quote numbers, but we're still lacking about $25,000 building fund to have a 20% down payment. Now, the way financing works, I've done it a long time, was a mortgage broker for almost 10 years, is, if you have, if you meet certain criteria, it's actually not legal for a bank to tell you they won't do your loan. They're incentivized by the government to do it. Um, so if we have that, then it would be a no-brainer. The problem with that is, how does somebody like me who doesn't preach about money a lot raise twenty-five more thousand dollars besides what you've been so good and faithful to give um, in, in a matter of six weeks? So it's, this is the way that I do it. This is the need that we have. I don't want anybody to give to where it hurts you, but if there's something you can do, if you've, if you've made a pledge, there are some of you that have made pledges, um, you've not been able to, to meet that yet. If you can meet it, now would be the, now would be the good time. Um, I don't think, I can't, see a, I can't see a way that we wouldn't still be in this building, um, but if, God forbid, that happens, we're still going to worship, we're still going to serve, we're still going to do the work of the kingdom, but I would rather do it here. I believe that God has called us for here for us. As a matter of fact, Pastor Mike Mufuchi um, showed up last week, um, Tuesday or Wednesday, he said, God told me to come over here and talk to you. I said, well, that's good. I like hearing from him. And uh, confirmed a lot of the words that I have heard over the last several months and weeks about the outpouring that God is about to do in this place. Um, I sat with Jonathan Shepard yesterday at Village Inn after a funeral, and we talked about the outpouring that's coming. And uh, I told him, I feel like we're kind of in a place of travail right now. I want to get off of the subject of money, but... Uh, a place of travail, that's not a bad thing. It's painful, but any mother forgets the pain of, the, of, of pregnancy once they see the face of the child. And so um, remember in Jesus when he was warning, he was actually warning of what was going to happen in 70 A.D. with the uh, temple destruction. He said, when you hear of these things, wars and rumors of wars, don't be afraid. These are, these are tribulation, but the word there is not really tribulation. It's birth pains. But something was about to be born. And in the same way, in this area, God is wanting to birth something. And so a lot of us have been feeling it. Have you felt unusually tired lately? Anybody, two people? Nobody else? No, I mean, where's my Red Bull? I had it out here. Felt unusually tired lately. Felt extra, extra weight of some stress lately. Anybody? Am I talking to anybody? It's because you're a part of the company of, of people, at least, at least it could be, that is going to birth what God wants to do here. Pastor Mike said... Uh, I don't remember if he said he had a vision, but he said he saw people standing out the doors lined up to get in here. It's the same thing that your daddy told me uh, at Bible school that, that Friday. And many other have said it, and it is true. It's not because anything necessarily we're doing or not doing. It's because of what God wants to do, and this is the opportune, the epoch, the, the time for it, the Kairos moment. And so, um, but for that to happen... Always, there's always this, you, you stand in this crazy tension between an unbelievable move of God and why do things seem to be falling apart in the natural? An unbelievable calling and, and an unshakable glory that will be revealed and yet on the other end, it's like how in the world can I come up with this money in 25, or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, in four to six weeks 
Really, you need it sooner than that if they want to close on the first. I mean, there's, there's this crazy divine tension. And so you say, Father, I trust in your faithfulness, but man, if I look down here, it does not look very good. When God sees a problem, do you know what God does? He very rarely poofs answers. My mother said years and years and years ago that she asked God for an answer, and she said her words, I just wanted God to poof it. Well, God is not a genie in a bottle. When God sees a problem, God sows a seed. Period. It's true. So here's where we are. This is, where, this is not gloom and doom. I'm not afraid. I just want you to be aware of where we are because I feel like it's appropriate. You guys have been so good to give. And I'm, I'm in no way, please don't hear me in any way condemning. Money has been such an abused subject in the church that, that I haven't talked about it until finally I had a prophet that got in my face and said, if you want, if you want your people blessed, you've got to talk about money. It gets tight when you talk about money because that's where people's treasure is. That's where their heart will be. And you guys have excelled. You've gone above and beyond um, anything that we could have anticipated, and yet still we have not arrived at the finishing line. We're just not there. So um, I was supposed to have received a call back on Friday, and uh, I did not get that call or an email. We waited all day. So I'm assuming I'm going to hear Monday. If I don't, I'm going to drive down there um, to the bank on Monday or Tuesday and see. You know, maybe God comes through and says, uh, who knows what he can do. He's the one that has to do it. So I just simply say, Lord, it's in your hands. You know, if you want us here, then that's, I know that you want us here because you put us here divinely. Um, so, uh, but there you go. That's where we are. So if you've not been able to f fulfill your pledges, it, now would be a good time to do that if you can. If you can't do it, you are not condemned. You are still welcome, and you're just as much a part of the family. And true vine is as if, as if you had already given. And some of you, I know, doubled your pledges. A lot of you have done that. And God bless you and thank you for it. But So that you know that's where we are. Um, how many of you today would like to see a miracle? Yeah. Uh, do this, look to the person right beside you and pay them a sincere compliment. Well, he didn't even, look at this. I mean, he didn't even hesitate. Some of you hesitate like, man, this is weird. G looked at his wife and said, you're the love of my life. I hear you. Pay him a sincere compliment. Seriously, look at the person, look at the person on the other side and pay him a sincere, a sincere compliment. Don't make it up. For some of you, that in itself was a miracle. <laughs> but a good word given is just as powerful as a seed sown. On its own, a seed is unremarkable. Without proper context, a seed would seem like a little bit more than a piece of dirt or something to be discarded. Without knowledge of the possibility it presents, a seed is absolutely worthless. Wish I had one. Where's Donnie Pierce? Well, every time he preaches, he carries a bag of seeds. He's going to make sure everybody gets one every time he speaks. Donnie Gospel Seed. There, his wife actually wrote a book, Donnie Gospel Seed. It's good. But we should never underestimate the power of a seed. Max Lucado asked this question one time. He said, do you want to see a miracle? Try this. Take a seed the size of a freckle, put it under several inches of dirt, and if you give it enough water, light, and fertilizer then get ready because it'll move mountains. Have you, ever, have you ever walked out? Come to my house sometime. At my house, we have 900 kids. <laughs> my wife and I have six, and now we have two more that we inherited. And for some reason, we decided it would be the best week to have three more added to the bunch. So there were, what, is that 13 people living in my house right now? It's insane. At any moment that you drive into my house, you're going to see one of two things. You're going to see 700 kids playing basketball, two horse-sized dogs running around slobbering all over people. Sorry about that. Um, and if you look close enough at my concrete, you're going to see I've got a really nice uh, concrete driveway with grass growing up out of it everywhere. Elizabeth says you don't even have to look close. I want to ask you, because I know the way. Joey, you're, you're a project manager and superintendent. You imagine six inches of concrete poured heavy, poured thick, full of gravel, full of all this stuff, and a little tiny seed. Now, if you see this little seed beside a big, say, 10 by 10 square of concrete, how in the world is this little tiny seed able to work its way up through that concrete? It literally makes no sense. And yet, if you give it enough time, enough light, enough water, what the, what the seed does, it actually strains towards the light. 
If, have you ever had a plant that you put inside your house, and if you put it in the window, it will grow towards the sun and not away from it? It's the natural tendency of a seed to, go to, to grow towards light. It doesn't matter that the ground is a zillion, a zillion times the weight of the seed. The seed will push it back. Every spring, dreamers around the world plant tiny hopes in overturned soil. And every spring, their hopes press against the impossible odds and blossom. But unless we recognize that our breakthroughs are contained within a seed, we will remain disappointed and hopeless and very possibly grow jaded and maybe even bitter. We're poofit people. We like instant gratification. I won't belabor the point, but you know the story about my mom and the drive-thrus. You know, we want it now, and if we don't get it now, we want more for not getting it now. We're an instant gratification people, and yet God is trying to teach us something right here in the middle of incredible pressure and stress. Do you trust the seed? I know many of you have given. When I say you've, the reason I say you've given is because when you give in this church, you are literally sowing seed. And it's going to bring forth fruit. You may not even know that's what you did, but that's what you did. And it's going to, so what do we do? Do we worry that in six weeks we're not going to have a place to worship or do we trust the seed? What are we going to do? I mean, this is, we preach faith and we preach living in the kingdom. We preach kingdom come. We preach new covenant now. Well, here's new covenant. The reality is if we don't come up with a certain amount of money in six weeks, we may or may not be here. I don't think agape would, I don't want to put them in a position to have to say, we need to sell that building. And you guys couldn't do it, so we still need to sell it. Because they've been great to us. Is this too real? Should I, should I preach something else? And yet at the same time, uh, we can't sit back on our hands and say, well, I don't know what else I can do. No, did you sow seed? If you've sown seed, have you watered the seed? Huh? How do you water the seed? For me, watering a seed is getting on my knees and crying out to God until the water comes out of my eyes and waters the seed that I've already put. Father, it's your faithfulness. You told us about this building. You moved. If you knew everything that happened behind the scenes to even have us here. And look, I have no interest in worshiping the building. I've never been about monuments. I'm more about the movement. And yet, all movements need a place to happen. And God designed this place for this time, for this body, for this people to release His glory so that what we begin to proclaim three years ago would, would be a reality that Statesville will become synonymous with the glory of God. It's going to happen. I, we're not backing off of that. And yet we look and say, if we don't have money in six weeks, what do we do? Here's what we do. We trust the seed. We trust the seed. Father, it, it is your faithfulness. We've done all we can do. It bothers me even to get up and talk about money so much because it's so abused in church systems. People tell you you're cursed if you don't. You're not cursed if you don't give. Do you invite a curse upon your life? I don't know, but God's not a curser. He's a blesser. How many times did you ever see Jesus curse anybody because they, he was trying to teach him a lesson? God does not teach by sickness. Always, God teaches by his Holy Spirit. That is absolutely the red word. That's Jesus' words. You learn by the Holy Spirit. Am I saying that you can't learn from bad things that happen? Absolutely you can. All it does is if you fall on your back because of something bad that happened, it just causes you to look up and say, oh my God, even in this you were faithful, like Dustin. Do I think that Dustin caused, his, or God caused him to wreck his car? No, but he, was he in the car with Dustin, keeping him safe? Yes. What we've done is we've made God, we've preached the sovereignty of God, and yet we we try to take our own responsibility out of it. Look, there's something called will. I was talking about Marie this morning about a prophetic word that somebody received years and years ago that didn't come to pass. And I said, well, did you walk out the steps that were required to make sure this happened? Let me tell you something about prophecy. How many people have ever received a prophetic word? How many people have ever been disappointed because that word has not seemed yet to have come to pass? Let me tell you what prophetic word does. Imagine if you walk up upon a forest of trees and it's so thick that you can't walk. You can't even find a way to get in there, you know, thorns and stuff. What a prophetic word does, it cuts down the trees and creates a path for you to get from A to B. It's still the onus is on you to walk down that path to make sure that the prophetic word is fulfilled. It doesn't just happen because you receive a prophecy. It ha the prophecy clears the path, but it's your responsibility to walk down it. And then if you walk down it, it's the marriage of the two that will cause the fulfillment of the word. Now, if God appears and says something sovereignly, you might as well mark it down because it doesn't say God can't tell a lie. The book says God cannot lie. 
Doesn't say you can't. That means if God says that wall is green or blue or purple by virtue of the fact that he spoke it, that's what the wall is. He, he can't lie. Everything that he says comes to pass. He can't lie. And so why would God bring us into a place like this, into a season like this, and say, okay, now, um, and let us, I don't believe he's going to let us fall. And yet, do we have responsibility? Absolutely, we do. Water the seed. Lord, I really, really, really want you to move in my marriage. I'm just picking, a, I'm going to pick a couple. Nobody, I'm sure all of you are doing one. I just really want you to move my marriage. And yet you haven't talked to your wife or your husband in a, in a, in a romantic, loving way in six and a half months. You know what the Lord would probably whisper back? I want you to move in your marriage. <laughs> Lord, do something in my marriage. You do something, dummy. I, you do it. You've got the power. Did I say dummy out loud? I'm sorry. That's the way my dad used to talk to me. Because, you know, I'm just hard-headed. Clown, that's what he called us, clown. You do something, clown. Lord, I just really want you to move and, and bless me financially. Okay, I will. But to do that, I want you to bless me financially. It's not because I need your money. It's because I'm trying to teach you the principle of sowing and reaping. I mean, what is what? Do you actually think when you bring your money up, does God literally actually receive dollar bills? What does God need a dollar bill for? He told Peter one time, do you remember this? He said, Peter, go down there and catch a fish. The first one you pull out of the water, pick it up and look in its mouth. And there was a gold coin in the fish's mouth. Pay taxes for you and pay taxes for me. So can God cause stuff to divinely appear? Absolutely, he can. If he wants to do that. Peter was dumb and threw the fish back. He should have kept the fish. He'd have had supper and taxes paid. Yeah. Father, I just really want you to, okay, I'll do it. Sow a seed for it. Lord, I want, you to, I, want you to heal my, I want you to heal my body. I want you to work in my, I'll do it. Sow a seed for it. Let me tell you what a seed for health is. Let's say you're struggling physically, and all of us at some point or other have struggled physically. Some of us more than others, and some of us for different reasons. Some people, no, everybody's not made to look and be on the same plane in terms of physical health. I don't mean that, you know. But let's say you're praying, God, I really want you to move in my health. Well, one thing that you can do is drink water, less soda, you know, eat more, um, eat more fruits and vegetables. Less, I mean, this is, this is logic. This is, this is stuff that we know. And we'll eat, we'll drink sodas like they're going out of business. And we eat all fried foods and processed foods and then wonder why we don't feel well. And the Lord says, sow a seed. So here's how you could sow a seed. Okay, here's a seed. Towards my overall health, I'm going to sow a seed. And here's the seed. I refuse to drink anything but water. Here's the seed. I'm going to start eating more raw fruits and vegetables. Because I can promise you, if you do that, you're going to feel better. Your body will respond to what you put in it, period. If you eat fried chicken every day, all day, and don't drink anything but Mountain Dews, I still love you, and God loves you the same. But let's not be begging God to heal our bodies when we're putting trash in all the time. Expect That's not a miracle. There's so much stuff that God could do based on principle alone that we don't really need a miracle for, but we're too lazy to make the change that would be required to see the results we want to see. Some of you are shaking your head. I feel like some of you have smoke coming out of your ears. Are y'all mad at me? There's a lot of stuff that you can change by principle alone. Have you noticed I've looked at this side a lot today? I'm working on it. There's a lot of stuff that you can change by principle alone. You don't need a miracle for. I do know and believe in miracle moments. I've seen miracle moments. I've seen financial miracle moments. The, first, the second year that I went to India, India, the trips cost about $4,000, $3,500 to $4,000. And the second year I was going, the, the guy that I went with uh, always used the church card, credit card to pay for the, our plane tickets. And the day that I saw him, I would give him the money back for it. So we sent out letters and things, you know, support letters. And I think $50 came in that maybe. It was not very successful. And, um, and then at our church, a few people had put money in my, in my hands. My father was still a pastor. This was in 1999. So I would have I been 20, 21. And uh, Friday night before I'm leaving, Monday morning at 6 o'clock from Charlotte Douglas. Um, we go up because my father had planted a church in Wilkesboro, and Seth's, Rebecca's father-in-law was the pastor up there. 
And I had about $160 left of the 200 that I've gotten because we, Elizabeth and I went to Walmart and I've got shampoo and soap and some snacks. Oh, God, if you ever go to India, take snacks. That curry will wear you out, burn you twice. There you go. You got it. And that night, my dad stood up on the platform and said, uh, some of you need a financial miracle. You're going to have to sow a seed for it. And I heard the Lord speak to me and said, put the rest of what you've got in there because you need $4,000 before Monday and you got $160 or whatever it was. So that's what I, I thought. Well, that's a big step. But I mean, heck, if i got to believe you for $3,800, might as well believe you for the whole $4,000. So I just put it in there. So I did. I prayed over it. I said, this is my seed. This was given to me for this trip. I'm sowing this as a seed for this trip. And I put it in the plate. Got home that night. I'll never forget. My room was above my parents' uh, bedroom, and I'm walking up the stairs, the old creaky stairs. You know how many teenagers got creaky stairs in your house? I can teach you how to avoid the creaky step. Yeah, I mean, I knew which ones had the creaks and which one to step over. Elizabeth knew too. <laughs> Joey knew too. Joey would sneak over so we could play Nintendo 64, and. Um, she said, hey, buddy, uh, just, just wondering how curious how, you know, last weekend, how much, how much money have you raised? What do you got? I said, Mom, I don't have anything. She's, I mean, she almost gasped. I said, well, I had a few hundred dollars left. We got the soap and stuff, but the rest of it I put in the offering and I was seat. And she went, oh, okay. <laughs> do you remember? Walked in her room like, oh, I think I just took a year or two off Mom's life. The next night, uh, back then I played in a band. Uh, we were playing and singing at the upper room, the, the second upper room, the food line version of it. There was upper room in the back, uh, or there was a stage back in the back of the old food line where Horizon Church is now. We were playing back there. And I spoke about this. Well, at the, at the end of me speaking, about, I said, look, I, whatever you believe in God for, He can do it for you. You know. And I said, just so you know that I'm not just saying this, I'm also believing God for some money. I need about you know, 36, whatever I said, $3,600, $3,800 to go to India. And I need it by Monday, and here it is Saturday. And uh, I said, but God, he's faithful. He can do it. So at the end of the service, not a service, at the end of the concert even, and this is a concert with a bunch of little teenagers, one by one, these kids would come up to me at the end of the concert, and, man, what you said about those orphans and stuff. I told them a story. The first time I got off a plane in India, in Hyderabad, not, not in Mumbai, but in Hyderabad, walked off a plane, there was this little four- or five-year-old boy with his little sister, and they were pointing to their mouth, and they were saying, chocolate? That's, that's the only English word they knew, chocolate, because Americans would get off the plane and give them candy. I had none to give them, and it just broke my heart. So anyways, I told the story. Uh, when, you know, I don't ever want to go back. And so at the, end of, at the end of the night, these kids would come to me like, hey, man, what you said to me really spoke to me. I don't have $4,000, but I got, here's a, here's a dollar thirty-five. It's left over from lunch money from this week. I want you to have it. And honest to God, if one did it, probably 50. No kidding, at the end of the night, I mean, my pockets were out like this with change and singles, dollar bills that these kids had to have been 50, 60, 70 kids had given to me. When we played in the upper room back in the day, they would pass a tin can along and say, this is just for the band to help them out. We were from Statesville, you know, it wasn't that much. But, uh, and the band had met without me knowing and said, we felt like we wanted to give all the money to you toward your trip. Another little girl, Rachel Staples, her dad, Jim Staples, you may know, um, came up to me at the end of service. She's married now and uh, doing really well, lives in California. And she said, uh, my dad gives $1,000 in my name and my sister's name in $100 increments to the nonprofits of our choice throughout the year. How could I give it to you so that you can use it for, mon uh, for your trip? And I said, well, the problem is I leave Monday at, at, at 7 o'clock in the morning. So there's no way I can get the check, get it deposited. You, you know, I really wasn't thinking about... I need to have the cash to give this guy. And there was no access overseas back, back then. It was really hard. It was a lot harder to get money there. You really need to just take cash. And she said, well, I mean, I said, but look, it's God. God's got it, Rachel. No, she was weeping. She said, what you told about those kids, I just want to be able to help. And so um, got back home that night. I think that night all told the, those kids, think about this, little teenage kids gave me almost $450 of change, change in dollar bills. I just wept. Every time I tell it, it makes it chokes me up again. Not, not, not one single child had enough money to give me $20. But when they pulled everything, that, their resources together, it was 400 some dollars. So then I got home, and I had a phone call, and it was Rachel. Rachel uh, Josh, this is Rachel. Please give me a call, Rachel Staples. And I called her. She said, look, um, I talked to my dad about your trip, and my dad said what he, what he, he really 
he was really moved about how moved I was. And so he's decided just to go ahead and write the check or to give you the money now and he'll reimburse himself later. And we're just going to go ahead and give you the whole thousand. I had another phone call from, where's uh, Rayleigh and Tandon? Are they in here? They're upstairs. From Rayleigh and Tandon's mom, back before either of them were born, Tanya. Back then it was Tanya Eberstadt. And she said, Josh, this is Tanya. Um, she went to New Life Church, New Life over in Taylorsville, before they had their building and said, uh, I need you to call me. So I called her. And I knew that she had a little, gro I mean, a little convenience store because I mowed grass for uh, her and her sister. And I thought, you know, she called me and said, um, I was thinking she was going to give me candy for the kids because she was moved by the story about chocolate. She called and said, I talked to my church today, and they don't know you, but I told them about what you said last night. So we received an offering at the end of service, and we have $450 to give you. And if you'll meet me at the store when I give it to you, <clears throat> she said, I've got two big paper bags of candy for you to take and give to those orphans. Right? And then that morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning Steve Sheets came to our church. Uh, he and Nancy started the upper room and were a part of it for so many years and showed up and said, God told me I need to show up and give you this, Josh. And he gave me $200. Sylvia Rector was the person that went to our church at the time. And what was, was it her dad, Arlene? Was that her dad or was that Charlie's dad? It was her, it was, I mean, I meant mom. Her stepmom, Arlene, showed up and said, Josh, I wanted to bless you and put $40 in my hand. The point of it was Friday night, I literally had nothing. And by, by Sunday afternoon, I had like $4,200 that had come in. 4,200 bucks. In that trip alone, we probably preached to 150,000 people. I mean, I was there for almost seven and a half weeks. And we would get up, the least crowd we ever had was 3,500 people. That was the trip that launched me into pre really preaching more than even the one before. Because on that trip, Bishop Charles Johnson that I went with got sick and was in a hospital bed for almost two weeks. And he looked at me laying on his bed one day. He said, Joshua, you've got to preach. And I said, man, I'm not a preacher. This ain't my thing. I don't. He said, if you don't do it, they may not hear the gospel. And there are 30,000 people waiting for you to go preach. I mean, that's where, that's where you take the kid and you walk over to the edge of the boat in the middle of the ocean and you just go, <laughs> you imagine getting up in front of 30,000 people having to preach? And it launched me into a preaching ministry. Why are you telling us all this? I'm telling you that this, that was the power of seed. Every bit of that that came in came in as a response to my obedience to the Lord to say, put this seed of the $180 that you have in the offering plate tonight, which I did. No one could have thought that a bunch of little teenage kids, and this was in the 90s, were going to give me $450 in a night. No one could have thought that. I mean, only God can orchestrate stuff like that. I'm trying to build faith in you. I'm trying to say, this is the way that God operates. This is the way that he works. He always, 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 when God sees a problem, God sows a seed. When he saw the problem and a separation of humanity from Father, and they didn't know what he looked like and who he really was, God didn't just appear and say, this is really what I look like. No, God put himself in seed form inside of a little virgin girl, and that little seed, the Bible called him, a, did you know it called him a, a tender, a tender root? A tender sapling, a little seed. He put his own seed inside of a, a little woman and she birthed Jesus. And it would be Jesus the Christ that would show us once and for all what the Father actually looked like. Not vindictive, not mad, not retributive, but absolutely accepting and loving. So here's, maybe we spend an extra, G and I, I mean, what have we spent? 10 hours, 20 hours talking about how we're going to come up with this money. This guy has got more ideas I mean, if he could get paid for ideas, he'd be a millionaire already. And he, he, he said to me uh, last week, he said, man, I, I might just grab that mic on Sunday and say something. <laughs> so you know what he did? He went out and bought, or I don't know if he bought or how he got it, he traded for it, went out and bought a big grill, a trailer grill, right? He said, we're going to grill cheeseburgers at my shop, and we're going to sell them. We're going to do a cookout. At, he cuts hair, and we'll, we'll sell them and raise money for the church that way. We'll do a concert. I've had a bunch of people re reach out to me about doing different things. We have a chicken barbecue we're, we've got coming up. We're doing everything we can do. Here's what God told Moses one day. Remember this? He said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses says, well, I got this crooked stick. What Moses did not have was the ability to part water. What Moses did have was a stick. And the Lord said, okay, I want you to take that stick and put it out over the water. Now, how dumb was that? We, hear, we know the story. We've seen the movies. We've seen the, whether, 
Whether it's the Charlton Heston version or the Prince of Egypt version, we've all seen it where Moses, it's so we're, we're kind of come accustomed to it. But how dumb is it? You've got an army behind you. You've got a Red Sea in front of you, and you're telling me to put a stick over the water? Why are you telling me to use a stick? You know what the Lord probably would say? Because that's what you have to work with. God is always going to allow you to use what you have to work with, and he blesses it. So here's the thing. You do what you can do and trust him to do what only he can do. You telling me to put a stick over the water? Put the stick over the water, Moses. It's not even, what even Moses, it actually belonged to his brother Aaron, who was a priest, but we could talk about that later. Moses puts a stick. And what's God do? He parts the water. The children of Israel, the Hebrews, walk across on dry land. Can you imagine if the Bible says the walls, the water stood up like walls on either side. And then when the Egyptian army was in, uh, was, it was, finally came through the dry ground too, they walked on dry ground too, except when they all were in there, the waters came tumbling down and destroyed the enemy. And God told Moses when he made it to the other side, he said, Moses, turn around. And he turned around and he said, what am I turning around for? He said, because this enemy that you see now before you, you will see it again no more forever. I want to tell you there's somebody in this place that is going to sow a seed. And when you sow that seed and it's an obedience to the word of God, you'll look back and say, man, the thing that used to torment me doesn't torment me anymore. The problem that was my problem for so many years has been destroyed based on one seed. It was a seed of faith in Moses that made him stick out a stick over the, over the Red Sea and cause it to part. So what is God asking of you? What do you have that you can do? What is it that's broken? What is the answer that you're searching for? Because I can promise you, when you can fill in that blank, here's what the Father says to you, sow a seed. I'm not, this is not a money gimmick. I'm not trying to get you to give. If God speaks to you to give and you don't do it, that's between you and Him. I'm trying to help you that when God, He already told you to write that. There you go. Okay, Nanny, so you don't have to say it out loud. But you know what, you, what, you, what you're expecting personally, right? Thank you, Father. You're faithful. It's your faithfulness that will cause this seed to take root. And from the root to the fruit, it will be full of glory. In Jesus' name. There we go. Well, what is, it that you're, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you're asking God for? What is the breakthrough that you need? I love the word breakthrough because every time I hear the word breakthrough, I think of a seed breaking through ground. I think of a seed climbing up through. I mean, it's insane. You ever seen the meme? We've all shared it. You know, they, they put you in the ground because they thought they buried you. What they didn't know was you were a seed. You actually cannot kill a seed. It just metamorphoses and, come, and becomes a sapling or whatever it is that it's supposed to be with proper time, water, um, and sunlight. But what, Jonathan, what is, what is it you're looking for God to do? And when you have that blank filled in, okay, what seed can I sow that will cause it, like you and I talked yesterday, what seed can I sow that's going to cause this that you put in my heart to come to pass? When God sees a problem, he always sows a seed. Remember, he promised Abraham his covenant is always based around seed. We know seed is offspring, but he told Abraham, he said, I'll make, I'm going to bless your seed, your offspring, and I'm going to cause every nation of the earth to be blessed because of your seed. You know, Donnie Pierce said something that was fascinating to me one time. He said it to our whole church, but he said, what does a seed give you when you sow it? Love this. I want you to listen to me because a lot of people think, well, I'll just sacrificially give again. For instance, if you feel like I'm trying to get you, hit you up for an offering, which I'm not doing, I'll sacrifice. No, no, no. A seed will always do two things. It'll always give you two things. It'll give you what you didn't have. If I take an apple seed and I put it in the earth and it, and it grows, what am I going to get? I'll get apples. I start with a seed. I did not start with an apple. I'll start with a seed. And the tree comes and I take the apple. Then it'll give me what I didn't have. It'll also give me what I started with. Because if you open up an apple and look inside, guess what's in there? More seed. And when we can start to equate and understand the principle of sowing and giving, sowing and reaping, then we understand I'm not just giving sacrificially and, and it hurt and I'll never see that again. You're going to not just get that back, but the Bible says that it'll, it'll, it'll be given back to you. And more, good measure and pressed down and shaken together and running over will men give into your bosom. So you're telling me when I sow on Sundays, if I sow with purpose, then I can ex expect a harvest? I'm saying if you're giving any other way, you're doing it wrong. 
Because I know a lot of you give out of empathy and love, and that's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. You should always give. But don't just give out of, out of well, I, I kind of feel bad with the position the church is in. What can we do? And you, and you get to you know, your bank statement and say, well, I mean, we could shift some money, maybe do this. No, no, no. Give with purpose. Not just because the church needs the money or whatever. Give and say, I'm sowing this seed, believing for X, Y, or Z. I know that he's too faithful. He's so faithful that even when I'm not faithful, he holds up his end of the deal anyways. So when God sees a problem, God sows a seed. So what is your problem? What is the seed God wants you to sow? For some of you, I actually honestly do. Here's what I'm going to tell you about True Vine. Unashamedly, without any, I'm going to tell you, this is a new covenant church. God has ordained us from before the beginning of the earth to be in this moment, in this season, for this purpose. And I can promise you, from this body will be birthed a movement of God that will cause Statesville to become synonymous with the glory. Promise you. I'm not saying it because I think it or it's not repetition. I'm telling you, as a declaration, it's 100% true. When you sow into a new covenant work, how many times have I ever asked you, for when you sow, you can't help but be blessed. I was told one time, Michael Goings, Bishop Michael Goings, wonderful man, he preached in our conference one time and one time only, and the message that he preached was seed of the seed. Do you remember he said it like that? Seed of the seed. And he called me up to the front. And he said, young man, I see you about to go through some stuff. Well, this was a month before Liz and I had a, uh, had broken up. We weren't married yet, and it was, whoa, it was crazy. And he said, but God says, as you're faithful to sow into this Elijah, and he pointed to my father, he's going to call the, the anointing, the double portion of Elisha to come upon you. And he said, I see money running you down and taking you over. He said, in fact, I see when you walk into this place that there'll be so much you're going to have to find a way to give it away. You'll have to find new avenues to give it away. I'm telling you right now, as the father of this house, I'm declaring that's coming upon this body. Kelly Varner stood and pointed at my dad. I found this video recently. He, said, he, pointed at, he pointed at my dad at the little tiny building on Newton Alley. And he said, when this man of God stands up and opens his mouth, God is going to bring the property that was always supposed to have been their property anyways. And it won't happen until he opens his mouth. And so what did my father do? He stood up and he declared, this was 1999. When did we move into the building on 40, 59, in 2000. We got it 99. We moved in 2000. Because God knows me and Red work like dogs over there to get that place ready. And Herb, oh Herb, a lot of other people, Rick Hamrick. I'm declaring right now, I'm telling you, that the, the thing that God has for you, the thing that God has for Drew Vine, it's coming in this season. It's coming faster. When Joey Hall talked to me, and when Mike Mafucci talked to me, when Don Potter stood right there talking to me, everyone that's spoken, Randall Worley, some, of the, some that you know and some that you don't. I talked to Grant Lewis on the phone this past week, Darren Davis who was here last week, just some different men, Paul Lanier who messaged me last week, Bishop Paul Lanier, and all of them have said one thing, this thing is going to happen so fast it'll make your head spin. I'm telling you, you don't know what's coming. It, there's, there's a birthing coming. And when it comes, I mean, he said, I saw him standing out the door. Is this to bring us glory? No, it's never been to bring us glory. It's to bring glory to his name. It's to bring glory to the kingdom. And you're a part of it. You're getting in on the ground floor. <laughs> I'll say it like that. You know, you do, a, you do a business proposition. You're getting in on the ground floor. I'm not trying to sell you. I'm telling you what's coming. When it happens, Jonathan, what you and I talked about yesterday... He, Jonathan was recently dead. What's the name of that place in Georgia? Dawsonville, Georgia. Have you seen the move of God that's been happening down there? He went, he's down and visited a couple of times. Now they line out the doors and for the opportunity to get in. What are you going to do when that happens here? One of the first things Don said when he walked up, he said, oh, steal the garage door. Well, that's going to be handy. <laughs> going to be handy. Bob Jones stood in this building and said, they'll raise that door and back EMT trucks into this building. And before they go to the hospital, they'll be healed here. If you don't know who that is, it might behoove you to look him up. Wonderful man of God. Rick Joyner stood in this building and said, there's a coven of witches from Winston-Salem to Asheville that are doing everything they can to destroy the move of God that happened in Statesville. Well, guess what? Cannot destroy it. Cannot destroy it. You know how many times God's ever lost a battle? 
Never. He doesn't lose. And he doesn't lose because of our goodness. And he doesn't, it's not that he, lose, he doesn't lose because of how wonderful we are. No. He wins a victory. And he says, since you're my family, it's the victory for everybody. My dad used to tell a, my dad used to tell a um, story years ago. He talked about um, being a conqueror and an overcomer. And he said, a conqueror is this. Imagine a boxer that gets into the ring. You know, let's say it's, um, um, who's the guy that runs from everybody that's really not a good fighter, but everybody runs from everybody. <laughs> last fight, get this, the last fight, this is no kidding. I did the math on this. If a man made $45,000 from the time that Moses walked the earth until that fight with Manny Pacquiao, they still would not have had as much money as he made that night in one fight. If he made 45,000 a year, 45,000 a year, because that's like, what, three or 4,000 years. Like we did the, he made more money. He made 500 and some million dollars in one fight running from Manny Pacquiao for three, two or two hours. I watched the fight. I, it, was in, it was insane. That guy's a conqueror. The boxer that wins the big purse. The overcomer is the wife that he hands the check to that never had to get in the ring in the first place. <laughs> Look at Becky waving her hand. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The, the boxer is the conqueror, but the, but the overcomer is, the, is the, the more than a conqueror is the wife that gets to cash the check. What if I were to tell you God's already stepped into the ring on your behalf. He's already defeated your enemy, and he's right now just wanting to sign, hand over the check to you and say, hey, baby, go spend it how you want to spend it. There's more where that comes from. We don't believe in a God like that because we, we look through God through our own warped lenses. But God is a God of abundance. In, in the coming years, this church, and it's already, it, it's, it, this church will have to find a way to give away the resources and the goods of the kingdom that come in here. I'm not really preaching to you now. I'm just saying things that need to be said because until I speak them, it doesn't, it's not coming here. It's just because of where God's put me. It doesn't mean that I'm special or less special. I'm just me. I can tell you what I am. I am a son that knows when I hear my father's voice. We, I don't, I'm not motivated by fear and I'm not motivated by worry. I'm motivated by his word. And his word says, I'm going to finish what I started in this place. And that ought to make you excited. Not just because the blind are going to see and fame is going to, but because the, the very glory of God. I, I don't want to just make heaven my home. I want to make my home like heaven. I want to make your home like heaven. Can you imagine waking up every day? We all imagine heaven someday. Can you imagine waking up at your house every day knowing that the fullness of the glory of God resides in your house? What would you do if you had that? What if you, if you woke up and you, and you knew how to spend money, you were, or you knew how to invest, and you were a billionaire? You wouldn't wake up worried about money ever. I know what I would do. I would wake up like, who can I bless today? What can I do to advance the kingdom today? I told you I'd let you get out early, okay? It's still five to you. So, what problem do you have? What seed do you have? Sarah, in the New Testament, I'll never forget when God showed me this. Hebrews 11 is what we call the faith chapter. Because it says, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, and by faith all. It goes through all these patriarchs of old. But the one that caught my attention one time, it says, by faith Sarah, and that was Abraham's wife, received strength to conceive after she was beyond her years. And then it says, because. The word because means whatever follows happened as a result of, what, of before. Because she judged him faithful that promised. And I read it again. The Lord said, read it again. This was five, ten years ago. I read it. No, it's more than that. Read it again. Read it again. He said, the promise came because she took her eyes off of the promise and put her eyes on the promisor. As long as Sarah was only focusing on what she needed God to do, it didn't happen. What did she want, Barbie? What did she need? She needed to have a baby inside of her. And, and in fact, God had already told her it was going to happen. But as long as that's what she focused on, the end result, she never got it. But the Bible says that she received strength to conceive the moment that she judged him faithful, she literally said within herself, wait a minute, he's the one that promised. I judge you faithful, you're faithful. It's your faithfulness that will cause this to happen. And when she judged him faithful in the, in the same exact day, boom, she received the strength to conceive seed and little Isaac was put inside of her. 
Isaac, which means laughter. God got the last laugh. Because it didn't look like it was happening. I mean, 90 and having a baby is absurd. And yet that happened. Let's all stand up real quick. Everybody up? I want you to do me a favor. I don't want to bow your heads and close your eyes. Actually, did you know that actually came from a, a place of shame? I won't give you the origins of it, but bowing your head and closing your eyes actually used to come from a place of shame. I understand some people do it, so you're not looking around. But I want you to keep your heads up, and I want you to look at me. But I want you to think about what it is that you want to see God do, whether it's personal, whether it's in your family, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your community, whether it's at your job, you know. I know some of you are struggling right now financially. I get that. I understand. I know my mom's looking for a car. Bless her heart. She's never going to have a car until today. <laughs> See, I, I messed with you a little bit, then I fixed it. You, you fill in your own blank, and then here's what I want you to do. Ask God, what seed can I sow that will bring me the answer that I need? It's not always money. We focus on that. But it's not always money. Here's the thing. It, let's just say, for instance, if you, if you and your wife are having a hard time, here's a seed you could sow. Go buy her flowers. Cook her dinner, if you're a good cook. If not, buy her dinner. And when it's done, wash the dishes for her. Now, that would say more to my wife, you know, than a whole lot of things. Uh, than a whole lot of things. Maybe your relationship is not your issue at all. Maybe money is your issue. Well, Father, what seed can I sow that will bring me the harvest that I need? Because God wants you to have that harvest and then sow it. Sow in faith. Some of you struggle with your health. What seed can I sow? Okay, here, tonight, go home and do one push-up. I'm not kidding. And if you can do two, do two. Do you know that bodybuilders, I don't consider myself a bodybuilder, but I'm not a, I'm not a stranger to the gym. You know, one of the most effective ways that bodybuilders, even the big hulky guys will work out, is they'll do whatever they can do to failure. In other words, if they can lift, say, instead of doing 10 reps, if, if they could do 50, they'll do it until they can't do it anymore. And that's how you know your body's responding and you're going to grow new, mus new muscle, muscle cells. So maybe some of you can't do a push-up or a sit-up. Well, can you, can you, can you get a little, a little five-pound weight and pick it up? Do something. Move. Show God, I, I, I want to make a change. You know, choose tonight. I'm going to eat some kind of vegetables. I told my son, I use amino acids, which really just it, your body produces, but sometimes you need a supplement of that. And what that does is it helps your body recover from the workout you did. So I let Jacob, I said, try this, because he was working out hard two or three hours Every time that boy goes to the gym, I said, try this. It's good for you. It's not like a drug. It's a supplement. It occurs in your body naturally. And he, he said, ooh, this tastes horrible. And I said, the point is not the taste. The point is, what's it going to do for you? Did you know the number one point of food is not how good it tastes? In fact, if you start changing the way that you eat, did you know that your body will acclimate itself to like things that you didn't like before? It's true. It's true. I did not like broccoli as a teenager. Man, I'll eat it every meal. Love it. Did not like green beans. Literally would almost puke at the thought of green beans. Spinach was worse than that. I did as a three-year-old at my grandmother's house. And she died before I turned four. I'll never forget throwing up because I had to eat spinach. I'll tell you something else about my great-grandma, my, my mom's mom. I told somebody to shut up one time. And my mom washed my mouth out with soap. And my grandmother took me in the bathroom and brushed my teeth and gave me a piece of liquor. She said, don't you tell your mama, but we're good. <laughs> I put the licorice in my mouth. It was worse than the soap. Oh, my God. That black licorice. Oh. But she loved it. I it kept it on her dresser. I'll never forget it. That's what she did for me. What is, your, what is it that you want to see and sow a seed for it? God will bless the seed. God will bring the harvest, and you're going to get two things. You're going to get what you didn't have and what you hoped for, but you're going to get back more seed. It's just, it's, in, it's incredible. When God sowed it, he said, he said, whose seed is in itself. So anytime that God gives you a harvest, in that harvest is going to be more seed. It's the law of exponential blessing. When you sow a small seed and you reap a harvest, don't eat all the seed. 
Enjoy the harvest. Take more seed out and sow more seed. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for this move. I thank you for the people, Father, that have sown whatever their seed is that you spoke to them. I pray, and Lord, you know my heart has not been in any way to try to uh, uh, talk someone into something they didn't want to do. That's not what I'm doing. I just try to be as transparent as I possibly can be. You know that, Father. I thank you that you've brought us into this place, and I, don't, I just I heard all week my father used to sing a song that you didn't bring us this far to leave us. You didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. You didn't build your home in us to move away. And you didn't lift us up to let us down. I thank you that you brought us into this place. And I pray, Father, that, that for, for their sakes, the people will see what you do when all of us come together with what we can do and with what we have to advance your kingdom. Father, you can speak to bankers and you can speak to, you can speak to whoever you want to speak to, Lord. Whoever needs to hear your voice today, Lord, let them hear your voice saying, that's the place to sow. Whether it's 50 cents or $50,000, whether it's a check for $5 or $5 million, and at some point they'll all be coming, Father. You speak to those that you need to speak to. I'll remind you of the words that Bishop Paul Lanier spoke here, Lord, last October at our conference. He said that God's going to send us some wise men. They're going to come into our midst, and they're going to leave their treasure here, but they're going to leave, and we're to let them leave, but the treasure would be here. I just wanted to put that, bring that up uh, to your memory, Lord. Not because you're forgetful, but because maybe it needs to come out of my mouth for it to come to pass. So I sow that seed right now in Jesus' name. Bless this, your people. The movement that's going to happen here, Father, where they're going to be pounding at the doors to get in because the glory's here. Right now, Father, we submit that to you. I know that it's just around the door. I pray for intercessors, Lord. I know they're already here. Some of them, I see their faces now that you've brought into this place, Lord. I pray that even now they would begin to start interceding for what you're going to do in this city through this church. I've had some of them approach me about coming to the church and praying, and I've said, absolutely, you can do it. I put a lockbox out in front so they could come, even if I'm not here, Lord, just to engage the atmosphere of heaven on behalf of Statesville. Send more, Lord. Send more intercessors, Father. I thank you that it, you're faithful. You'll bring these things to pass in Jesus' name. Amen.